0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week. Uh, At the same time, if you can't watch us when we are uh, broadcasting, you can always go back and watch us. Uh, on some of the stuff that we've archived. We have archived everything we air to date is on YouTube on our channel there. Uh, You can watch it at your leisure. Go back and and review these things if you'd like to. We are talking about the Roadmap to Reformation. The audio portions of this are also available on uh, our podcast Uh, It's also available as an RSS feed for your Android device. So there's so many outlets where you can go back and listen or watch or uh, whatever to to, kind of catch up to where we're at. We've filmed probably over 30 programs on this series from Ezra and Nehemiah called The Roadmap to Reformation. Easiest way to do any of that is simply to go to my website. The link is right there. In the upper right hand corner there are icons for YouTube for the podcast and for the RSS feed. All you do is tap on it. It'll take you directly to that. Subscribe to our channel. Uh, You'll be able to watch it on demand. Or set your DVR every week. We've been talking about the Roadmap to Reformation. We've been talking about the 12 gates of Nehemiah and how they picture the Roadmap to Reformation. We're on the Sheep Gate from Nehemiah chapter 3. When Nehemiah came, uh, when he opened the third chapter, they rebuilt the Sheep Gate. I showed you in the last three weeks, and we've done this for three weeks, so I'm not going to review too awful much, because I've got a lot of ground I want to cover today. But uh, uh, we showed you that, of course, uh, Jesus Himself, John 10, said, I am the door of the sheep. He is the sheep gate. Everything about what we have taught is pointing you from Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah, Haggai, even Daniel, are types and shadows of a greater Reformation. The temple that's being built in this Reformation is not a physical building. It's a people. The city that's being rebuilt in this series that I'm teaching on Revelation is not a place in the Middle East. It is the bride, the lamb's wife. It is the community of faith. It is the tabernacle of God that is with men. God is rebuilding his city. And he is. it is a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. You've come to Mount Zion and you've already come to the city of the living God. The city of the living God in Hebrews 12 is the new covenant community of faith. In chapter 3 of Revelation, it is the overcomer. In Revelation chapter 21, he defines the city as the bride, the lamb's wife, and it is coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. We showed you that this sheep gate is Jesus, but I want to come back again to this pool of Bethesda and read some things and try to finish with this segment. So after this, there was a feast of the Jews. It was the feast of Passover and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is a Jerusalem by the sheep gate. I want you to see this by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, house of mercy, house of grace. Having five porches in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water there. And whoever stepped in first of all, the water, stirring water, was made well of whatever disease he had. Now there was a man that was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lie there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said, Do you want to be made whole? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool, and when the water is stirred up, while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said unto him, "Arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, and took up his bed and walked, and the day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, Who was cured, it is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, He who made me well said, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk, but the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, I'm not going to go into the individual aspect of this. I want to come back and show you something uh, from... Uh, the scriptures that I believe is very important. I want to go, and I'm going to just have to look them up on the fly here. But Deuteronomy, I believe it is chapter two and verse number fourteen, talks about their exodus and their wilderness journey. But it talks about how they were there for 38 years. Now I want you to see. Uh, uh, I want you to see some some things here uh, in this in this uh, in this story. It says, that Deuteronomy 2, says, Then, then we, we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward and command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau who live in Seir. And they will be afraid of you, therefore watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money that you may be eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the works of your hands. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. And when we passed beyond our brethren, the descendants of Esau, who dwell in Seir, away from the road of the plain, away from Eloth and Geber, turned and passed by the way of the wilderness of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab, let me skip on down here just a little bit. Uh, verse number uh, 13 says, Now rise and cross over the valley of Zarid. This is De- Deuteronomy 2 verse 13. So we crossed over the valley of Zerod, and the time we took to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the valley of the Zarid was 38 years. I want you to note that, 38 years until all the generations of the men of war was consumed from the midst of the camp, just as the Lord had sworn to them. For indeed, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from the midst of the camp until they were consumed. So it was, when all the men of war had finally perished from among the people, the Lord spoke to them, saying, This day you are to cross over at Ar, at the boundary of Moab, and you come near to the people of Ammon. Do not harass them. It was 38 years. What I want you to see, and I know I've read a lot of Scripture, this man at the pool of Bethesda, was the second sign that Jesus did in His miracles. Now a sign he was always showing was something pointing to something else. Now I've showed you how this can speak of the individual coming to Jesus and being made whole, but I believe it's something more powerful because it is Jesus coming to the house of Israel who are about to forfeit again their entrance into the covenant of promise which can only come through the troubled water of the blood of Jesus and through the sheep gate who is the only door into the sheepfold. When the people of Israel came through uh, Kadesh Barnea, they had come out of Egypt on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant and it was by faith that they came out. I covered that in the last segment. Once the spies came and gave them an evil report, if you go back to Deuteronomy and read this again from their view from the time that the evil report came, it was 38 years that they wandered around in the wilderness. So the 40 years is God giving them two years credit for the time served under faith, and they wandered about for 38 years. And now we come forward clear to the New Testament, and Jesus again is now on the scene. He's a greater than Moses, and a new exodus is afoot. And He's bringing them out of a different kind of bondage again, And we come to a sheep gate, a door. And I've covered, I think I've covered it well, that the door, John 10, into the sheepfold, there's no other way into the sheepfold except through Jesus. The some other way that they thought was into the sheepfold was through the old covenant law of Moses. But that was not the door. Jesus is the door and He's the true shepherd of the sheep. And He's leading us in through a sheep gate that's only through Him. This man at the pool of Bethesda has been there for 38 years. The exact amount of time of the wilderness wandering and he's wandered, He's laying here waiting on the troubling of the water. Waiting on an angel to trouble the water. As I thought about this, I thought about the book of Hebrews where the scripture says in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and I believe it is also in chapter number 2, but I'm going to come over here and read this to you. It says in chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews that uh, that uh, verse 4, Hebrew, I won't read all of this because it's uh, so much to it, but having become so much better than the angels. So Hebrews 1, 4 tells you somebody better than angels has come on the scene. This man at the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy, the house of grace, is waiting on the troubling of the water by an angel, but now a greater than an angel is on the scene because in these last days God spoke to us, not through the hands of angels or mediators, but by the angel, but by His Son, whom He, having become so much better than angels, so a better than angels is on the scene, as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did He ever say, You are my Son today? I have begotten thee. And then you go into chapter 2 and it tells you that He did not make the world to come subject to angels, He made it subject to a son. The world to come is dealing with not so much a global situation, but the age of the new covenant and the world to come was the coming age of the new covenant and all of it that was being formed under the new covenant was not being subjected to angels, it was being subjected to the son. Now what I want you to see is that everything is pointing this to the Redeemer and the sheep gate, which is in fact Jesus. He is the door. He is the way. He is the gate into the sheepfold. He is the seed to whom the promise is made. He was the one who was better than angels. He is the water troubler. He is the blood of the lamb that is in the water that troubled the waters. He is pointing us to a reformation and a redemption that goes far beyond just a man being healed somewhere. Now the Bible says there in Deuteronomy chapter two, that this man was laid there until the men of war died. And when I got to thinking about this, the men of war, I got to thinking about uh, I got to thinking about the message Bible and what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 11 when he starts to talk to them about Moses. <coughs> Excuse me. It goes on to say, uh, let me see if I can find it real quickly. Uh, and he, he goes on to say, and Jesus told them, go back and tell John, let, let, let me just... I might all start. And when Jesus finished placing this charge before His twelve disciples, He went on to teach and preach in their villages. John, meanwhile, had been locked up in prison. When he got wind of what Jesus was doing, he sent his own disciples to ask, Are you the one we've been expecting, or are we still waiting? Jesus told them, Go back and tell John what's going on. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the wretched of the earth learn that God is on their side. Now I want you to see, first of all, John the Baptist is having a crisis of faith because he's in prison, having been the one who pointed out Jesus at the bank of the Jordan River and said, right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He points out the true sheep who ultimately becomes the sheep gate but he's full of faith and he points Jesus out as the Lamb of God. But here he is the night before they're going to chop his head off. He said, go ask him, are you the one or should we look for another? Let me tell you something. I believe all of us at some time or the other go through crises of faith. Here's why I think that happens. It's because God doesn't act like we thought he should. Here is John and you would think Jesus would give him a straight up answer, especially since he's about to lay his head on a chopping block tomorrow. You would think that Jesus would say, yeah, just go tell John, I'm the guy. But instead, He tells John, go remember the Isaiah 35 passage that I read to you in the last segment about, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because He's anointed me to recover the sight to the blind. He's sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Here is John the Baptist who comes on the scene, and he's really thinking of the Malachi portions, like he'll come like refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he'll come, and he's thinking of all the judgment ways, and he's thinking here Jesus, who he thought was the Lamb of God, was going to come on the scene like a whirlwind and kill everybody in his path and bring vengeance. Instead, Jesus reminds John not of the Malachi passages, but of the Isaiah passages. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't fulfill the Malachi prophecies, which He does, Forty years after this, after they reject him, after the Jews reject him, it becomes what Luke's gospel says, these are the days of vengeance and it took place in 70 AD when all of the power of the holy people was finally broken and all of of the covenant was completely removed off the scene, the temple, the animal sacrifice, circumcision, all gone. But what he does is he reminds John, he said, you go tell John the blind see the deaf here. In other words, you remind him of what my first public message was when I said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to open the eyes of the blind. In other words, he's saying, John, remember this is the stuff that I told you was going to happen. And so Jesus goes back and tells John, remind John of of, of the promise of Isaiah. See, I think the Jews are missing their Messiah, because He's not showing up like they think He will. They think He's going to come like David to lead an insurrection against the Romans, but instead His kingdom is functioning from a completely different place. He's leading a different kind of a reformation. And then He goes on to talk about John. He said, is this what you were expecting? Then count yourselves most blessed. When John's disciples left to report, Jesus started talking to the crowd about John. What did you expect when you went out to see him in the wild? A weekend camper? hardly. What then? A sheik in silk pajamas? Not in the wilderness, not by a long shot. What then? A prophet? That's right, a prophet. Probably the best prophet you'll ever hear. He's the prophet that Malachi announced when he wrote, I'm sending my prophet ahead of you to make the road smooth for you. Let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history surpasses John the baptizer, but in the kingdom he prepared for you, the lowliest person is ahead of him. This is what I want you to see. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate. I want you to see this. You will see them culminating in John, teaming up with him and preparing the way for the Messiah of the kingdom. Look at it this way. John is the Elijah you've all been expecting to arrive and introduce as the Messiah. Now, if you go on down here to verse Uh, number uh, 25, it says, Abruptly Jesus broke into prayer and said, Thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've concealed your ways to the sophisticates and know-it-alls, but spelled them out clearly to ordinary people. Yes, Father, that's the way you like to work. And Jesus resumed talking to the people, but now tenderly. The Father has given me all these things to do and say. This is a unique father-son operation coming out of father-son intimacies and knowledge. No one knows the Son the way the Father does, know the Father the way the Son does, but I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm ready to go over it line by line with anyone willing to listen. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live lightly and freely. Now I'm going to tell you that what John the Baptist is talking about here, or what Jesus is talking to them about, is he's trying to show you that John the Baptist is the last of the Old Covenant prophets. Now let me connect some dots. Deuteronomy says they wandered in the wilderness for 38 years until the men of war died. Matthew 11, Jesus says, up until John, the kingdom of God was taken by violent men who forced their way into the kingdom. King James says the kingdom of God is violent and the violent take it by force. And we still want to carry that over into a new covenant paradigm and we get people in a lather and want them to fight say, come on folks, the kingdom of God is violence and the violence take it by force. What he's saying in chapter 11 of Malachi is all of that culminated with John. In other words, all the men of war have to die in order to be able to move into the unforced rhythm of grace because he says that verse on the heels of talking about John being the last of the Old Covenant prophets. And he was one of the greatest of all the Old Covenant prophets. But it culminated with John. And up until John, you had to take the kingdom by force and by sweat and by labor and by works. But now it's culminating with John. And he's saying to them, Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? I'm telling you, we have come to a pool of Bethesda. We've left the law and we've headed for grace and mercy. And I believe it's time to quit wandering around and for faith to arise in another generation and begin to see this reformation move forward as we enter in through this sheep gate into the sheepfold and realize that our warfare has been accomplished. Listen to this from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40 says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, For she hath received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. A voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's talking about John the Baptist. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, the rough places made smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Let me just tell you that this is absolutely a picture of the work of John the Baptist, who John the Baptist was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, but Isaiah grabs that and says, when that happens, you need to understand something. It's time to comfort the people and tell her her warfare has been accomplished. The men of war have died. Your 38 years of wandering in the wilderness are now about to come to an end. If you will receive this sheep gate... You can enter into that gate right now. And pictured in this man, who is at the pool of Bethesda, is God offering a first century group of Israelites, Jewish people, the opportunity to move from warfare into the unforced rhythm of grace, into grace and mercy, where the blind see, where the lame walk, I mean, all of those things are absolutely declared here in Isaiah 40 when he's talking about John the Baptist. He's talking about all of that being restored. I believe it's also in Zechariah. I believe that uh, Zechariah talks about, when he talks about returning to me, you prisoners of hope, that he says to them, I believe it's in Zechariah. Let me see if I can find it real quickly here. I think he tells them uh, that they could, uh, That uh, let's see if I can find it real yeah. And, and and Zechariah chapter number 9, it says to, it says right where he talks about, it says, uh, Zechariah 9, 9, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly, riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Just like Nehemiah rode in on a beast to see the condition of the city. Here comes Jesus, the greater Picture of Nehemiah, Ezra, riding into the city on a donkey, the coat, the foal of a donkey. He does that on Palm Sunday. I hope I'm connecting the dots for you. He does that, and the people are crying out, Hosanna. The people knew. The people knew that this is a fulfillment of the Zechariah text, texts. It's a fulfillment. of, And he goes on to say in verse 11 of Zechariah, As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today I declare that I will restore to you double. Remember what he said? I'm good. I, Isaiah, you receive double. Tell, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. Tell her her warfare is accomplished. Jesus has won the battle The warfare is over. The battle is over. The war is over. God is not at odds with you any longer. Beat your swords and weapons into plowshares and your spears into pruning hooks. It is time to take up your bed and walk. Because saving grace is also empowering grace. And the taking up the bed and walking is symbolic of what flows from this incredible rest that it it not only sets you free, but it empowers you to walk on a highway that's called holiness, holiness, and to see the fullness of this thing return into the city of God. I, you've received, he said, I will restore to you double. And I think those are such powerful words coming from all of these prophets that are connecting with the restoration and the reformation that is happening here in the book of Nehemiah at the sheep gate. I think it's powerful. Jesus is better than angels. The blood in the water was the blood of the Lamb. The sheep gate was pointing to Jesus. Jesus always entered through the sheep gate. He comes into town riding on a colt, the foal of an ass, just like Ezra, or just like Nehemiah did. He comes to the sheep gate. He heals a man who's been there for 38 years, same length of time that the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness when they forfeited the covenant of Abraham for the covenant at Sinai. And because they received the evil report of the spies, they wandered for 38 years until the men of war died. Jesus comes on the scene and tells them in John Matthew's gospel using the same verbiage that Isaiah says when he says the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He's talking about John the Baptist. And he says, here, here let me tell you something about John. John was the greatest of the old covenant prophets and they all prophesied. And up until John, they prophesied and violent men took the kingdom by force But are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? In other words, the men of war have now died. Once again, the opportunity to enter into the rest of God was there. The fact that this happens on the Sabbath day should have been also another key to these religious leaders to know, listen, the Sabbath is more than a day of the week because Jesus declared another place on the Sabbath, my father works, hitherto I work. You see, on the Sabbath day, if you rest, God will work. But if you work, God will rest. I'd rather take up my bed and walk. I'd rather beat my sword and weapon into the plowshare because I believe the victory has already been won in the working person of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we can enter in through the gate of the sheep gate. I believe it is the straight and narrow that seems to be hard for people to find because it's so simple, it's right under our nose, but I believe it's the gate that leads to life and the abundant life on every level. Won't you enter through that gate today? Won't you come on and follow this Reformation? We're going to continue this study, but we're about out of time, and that concludes, I think, what we're going to share concerning the Sheep Gate. Now, I want you to just also just take a moment to, take, uh, to write to us. Uh, These programs, our cost of television has increased significantly as we come to this new year, and we need your partnership now more than we need it ever. If you want to see us stay on the air, you cannot sit on the sideline and just watch. You're going to have to get involved. We need you to help. If you watch our program, you can see we spend very little time talking about finances, maybe 30 seconds of the program. But without your partnership, we are not able to continue doing this. So if you'd like to become a partner or you'd like to sow a seed, go to our, uh, just go to this link on linhouse.com, and there is a place where you can give via PayPal. It'll take your credit card or your debit card through the PayPal app. You can also set up a monthly debit there if you'd like to become a monthly partner. We do need you to consider that. We ask pastors and churches to consider making us part of your outreach this year if you can't do that, you'd like to write a check and send a money order to the address that will come on the screen to Lynn House Ministries. Also, you can call the number that's on the screen and someone will take your call where you can give via credit card over the phone. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and someone will call you back. Our team is limited. And if you'll leave a message, we will call you back and, and we ask you to please do that today. God bless you. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am.